The Colorado Equals Security Podcast is your local source for regional security news, local events, and interviews with key individuals in the region. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Reck and Alex Wood. Welcome to Colorado Equals Security. This is uh, episode 33 for the week of September 18th. Alex, this is the weekend. How's your weekend been? Uh, you know, I spent well, probably six hours yesterday at a football field. Yeah, uh, my kids had back-to-back games, which was fun. Um, on the positive side, I got to be on the uh, the the crew that did the chains. You know, so where yeah. the f- first down markers are, so I got to be right up on the field. So on that was the, nice. On the positive side, you had a job to do. Got That's it. right. So you felt you felt like you were really accomplishing something. That's good. How about you, Rob? Uh, soccer games. I was at soccer uh, for both boys separately yesterday, and. Uh, basically, you know, my weekdays are scheduled wall-to-wall meetings, and my weekends are now scheduled wall-to-wall kid things. That that tends yeah. to happen. We did get Kristen and I did go out to a, a comedy show last night. I was as mentioning we went to see Paul Reiser from Mad About You fame. From, yeah, from the nineties. Uh, it was fun. We went to Parker. There's a Parker Events Center down there called Pace Parker Arts Center, something like that. The E is probably for events. Maybe for events. Uh, why don't we go ahead and dive into the news? Let's do it. <laughs> uh, number one, Alex, how would you feel about being able to get from Denver to Pueblo in 14 minutes? Um, I don't care. I don't have any reason <laughs> to go to Pueblo. Um, no. Uh, so what, what Rob is alluding to is that we, uh, Colorado is uh, sort of on the, potentially on the cutting edge. Um, they're going to be maybe making a Hyperloop test track here, yeah. um, which I think would be cool. Some uh, There's a couple options. One is... Um, I think all the way from Fort Collins to Pueblo or something like that. And one's from like Greeley to the airport and to Vail. Yeah, and I think anyway. DIA out to, to, to Vail and stuff. So so it, what Hyperloop is, is it's basically a tube that, that you'd, you'd basically install through the planes. And it allows you to have a vacuum sealed container inside the tube that shoots along in it at like airplane speeds. You could travel extremely quickly uh, for, you know, a whole lot less cost in terms of each trip. Functionally, it's like one of those little tubes at the bank where you you know you shove your money in there and <laughs> there it goes right into into the cashier. Yeah. Um, but uh, but hopefully it, it's a little safer and you know other things like that. And I think when we were talking about this earlier in the week, I said, uh, you know, would you want to go? And, and you said you wouldn't want to be the first, but you'd love to go. And I said, yes, you don't want to be the last either. Yeah. Uh, abs- absolutely, I, I think it sounds like a lot of fun. You know, this is years away from becoming a reality, but these are the kind of things that can move us into the into the future from the movies, right? The this is the iRobot type, you know, getting us right. to the to the future we all have think we've been promised by our childhood movies. On a not so happy note, uh, Oracle announced that they're cutting twenty five hundred jobs in the U.S. Yeah, um, it looks like this is focused mostly on their software uh, area. Actually, the former Sun type products. So Solaris is being end of life. Uh, they're cutting a lot of support for Solaris and. Uh, they are so it is a twenty five hundred job cut, but they're actually investing more than that number of jobs into their cloud teams. Yeah, so a net gain, and hopefully, of those jobs that they're cutting, they would maybe be giving those folks an opportunity to take a different job within the company. Uh, you said something interesting though, right before the show, that um, Oracle's second largest campus is actually the one up in Broomfield here. Yeah, the, the former Colorado. Sun campus, which yeah. is pretty cool, and it's a very big campus up there. We've had ISSA meetings up there before. Um, but it, it's one of those things with big campuses these days. It seems like it's it's kind of deserted that uh, you know folks often work from home, but you get a lot of buildings with nobody in them. Uh, so there there's an article in here about twelve companies in Denver that are hiring for work from home staff. 
kind of an interesting list of companies. Yeah. Uh, one of them that stuck out to me was Red Canary. We've talked about on the show before. They yeah. do, uh, you know, managed endpoint detection and response. And, you know, they hire a lot of their security operations folks to work remotely. Yeah, pretty cool. I also saw that Dish Networks is on there. And that one really shocked me, honestly, because... Uh, the, the story about Dish is usually you have to be in the office full time and you have to be there certain hours. And apparently they're hiring a bunch of work from home folks. So kind of an interesting trend. Uh, next, we're getting close here to uh, Denver Startup Week. And there's a couple events uh, for Denver Startup Week that we wanted to highlight. Yeah. So Denver Startup Week is, is next week, right? Starts on the Monday, the 25th. And we have two different events that Colorado Equal Security is going to be a part of. On Monday, there is a uh, an event, a panel on compliance security um and your startup uh that's going to be 10 o'clock to 11 30 i think yeah and, and we're both going to be speaking on that it's it's about essentially how startups can uh, provide security and what things that they should do uh, to make sure that their products are secure and that their customers feel secure and then on the tw- on wednesday the 27th uh, in the morning as well, there is the st- the security founder panel where we're going to have the founders from several different security companies get together um, and that includes uh, the f- founder from ProtectWise, founder from Red Canary, uh, Swimlane, and CyberGRX. And then I will be moderating that panel, um, kind of in my role here as the Colorado Equal Security host, and uh, also probably my, my ping role. Nice. Yeah. So next, there was an article in the Denver Post um, about Cyber Girls. So we've talked about that event a couple times in the, uh, the events section. They had a nice little summary of what uh, Cyber Girls is. It's coming up on the 23rd, I believe. Um, Debbie Blythe, the state CISO, is going to be speaking there. Um, but really, it's it's about getting girls exposure to uh, STEM subjects, and in this case, cybersecurity, uh, so that they can hopefully go on to, uh, to careers in those areas. This is junior high and high school age girls, is that right? I believe so. Yeah. And it's, it's not limited to anyone who has experience in those areas. So it's, you know, if you have a, a, a daughter that is interested in that, Go ahead and, and get them over there. I mean, this is a great opportunity not only to get some your daughters exposed to this a little bit, but to figure out if, if there's a program for you to take back to your kids' schools uh, to help to help start that program up. This is how we're going to address the gap, right? There's no there's no short term fix for getting our our job gap filled and getting more women into security. Uh, longer term, we need to start working on you know. Kids yeah, I got to start early. Uh, next news, Logarithm announced an, an enhancement, a uh, integration with Cisco. And it's basically just you know another way that they can have a, a nice integration from Cisco products into the Logarithm sim. Yeah, and Logarithm announced a few months back a partner program. I'm guessing this is part of their partner program. So now you can have better integration with the logs and information from, uh, from Cisco into Logarithm and back and forth. Uh, managed Methods had a blog post this week about why the architecture of your CASB matters. So it talked a little bit about... Uh, making sure that you have essentially a cloud native CASB. Yeah. The the point that they're making is, hey, you're going to have acts, you, you have all your employees going out to these SaaS products like, you know, Amazon and um, Salesforce that have massive scale. And and as they, as they use those products um, more and more, the scale is going to hit harder and harder. Um, if you have a CASB that's going through a single proxy, that's not, that's not built natively scalable, you're going to run into problems as you scale. And it's going to become that roadblock that stops access. So you want to make sure you're working with a CASB that does scale and is kind of a cloud native uh, CASB. I assume that that means that, that managed methods is a, a scalable uh, cloud native Casby and probably one of their competitors who they didn't name in the blog post is not. Yeah. Kind of interesting point. Yep. 
Uh, next blog post, we had something from Secure64. And as a reminder, those are the guys uh, who do Secure DNS. Um, it was actually not a blog post. It was a, as a piece that made it into MarketWatch about what would happen if the, DF, if the DNS of the internet was compromised. And I really like this. Uh, basically, he's, he's hitting on the fact that we have a lack of diversity in our DNS implementations and a lack of diversity makes it really easy for catastrophically bad things to happen. The article starts off alluding to the Irish potato famine. If you guys know your history at all, you know, Ireland had potatoes everywhere throughout the, the country. Actually, if you travel to Ireland now, you can still see the rows of potatoes from before the potato famine back, you know, hundred plus years ago. Uh, and then when, when these, um, those little critters came and, and killed all the potatoes, it was a massive impact to the people who lived there because they just didn't have other produce that they could use to take the place of potatoes. In the same way, the implementation of DNS bind throughout the internet uh, is what we're all depending on. So if and when there is a massive vulnerability discovered there, it's going to have a huge implication. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that goes also for, for other things as well. So, you know, we're Things are changing somewhat, but you know, Windows has been Microsoft architecture has been largely used across uh, many areas, and so one failure there, as we know, goes across many different industries. Yeah. So um, next, uh, Vector Eight, uh, they're a company here in town that we've talked about periodically, but they they do a threat hunting product. So they have a course coming up, uh, threat hunting and advanced analytics. It is October third through the fifth. Um, saw that pop up as part of the news this week. Uh, it looks pretty interesting. It is, it's not a cheap class. It's nearly $4,000, but um, it was recommended by someone in my LinkedIn network, so I wanted to pass it along if you're interested in, in threat hunting um, and you feel like you have a base already and want to go more advanced than that, then yeah. you should take a look at, at this course. It looks really cool. A couple of reminders, yeah, some logistics. Number one, go subscribe on iTunes. Go rate us on iTunes. Subscribe on Google Play. Rate us on Google Play. We'd love that. If you could spend a few minutes doing that, we'd appreciate it. Number two, uh, Alex is wearing his Colorado Equal Security t-shirt today. That's a reminder for me to say we have a store and we'd love it if you guys would go out and, and buy some stuff. And we get, like Alex said, I think 16 cents per per $100 you spend there. So, uh, you know, you could really make a big difference if you have millions of dollars to spend in the store. One of these days we'll be able to get one of those postage stamps we've been looking for, Rob. <laughs> Uh, let's go ahead and dive into events now. As a reminder as well, we do have a whole calendar of events on the website. I'll tell you, the calendar has filled up a ton coming up in the next couple of months. Um, uh, up through the end of basically November, there's a lot of stuff going on. So so look out there now because there's too much for us to get in front of very far. The first one on the list, uh, we've mentioned a few times, the SANS Security 511, which is being hosted at Logarithm, uh, starts this week. Um, I'm not sure if there is a sort of a walk-on capability or if you can just walk on, just, you just know, walk on, tell them we sent you, right? Don't tell them we sent you. <laughs> if you could just, you know, show up and register or not, but, uh, but that's happening at the logarithm camp campus. That's a uh, continuous monitoring and security operations. On the 20th this week, OWASP is having their September meeting about radio frequencies and what it means to us. On the 21st, Chorus 360 is having their security symposium at Topgolf. On, also on the 21st, ISC Squared is having their monthly meeting uh, from uh, with John R. Nye from Cybergenesis Tech. On the 21st, the Denver Sec is having their North Meetup. And as a reminder, that's just a place to hang out with some, some cool folks at a bar, talk security, talk other stuff. Really very social, no agenda. Good thing to, to take a look at. On the 23rd is the Cybertech Girls event. We talked about this a couple times in the, earlier in the show here. 
And also um, on the 25th, we talked about the uh, compliance and security panel at Denver Startup Week that we were uh, both going to be a part of. The whole week of the 25th, it, you know, we have Denver Startup Week going, but there's also the Sands Rocky Mountain uh, Fall Conference happening. So lots of Sands training, uh, lots of good opportunities for you to get to meet folks through SAN. If you have the extra budget, uh, it, it's a, a pretty cool opportunity. On the 26th and the 27th, uh, the CISO Advisor Alliance is having their leadership summit. Um, I think that that's up at the Omni in Broomfield. Is that right? Yeah, I know it's up north. Uh, I, I'm planning to be there. It uh, looks yeah. like it's going to be a pretty cool event. Hopefully folks can join us there. Uh, and then on the 27th, the NCC, the National Cybersecurity Center, uh, is having their cyber healthcare exercise. Uh, that should be a pretty fun event, especially if you're involved in healthcare. Take a look. Uh, get to meet some other folks in the industry. And then finally, also on the 27th, uh, as Rob mentioned earlier, uh, he is moderating the Security Founders panel at Denver Startup Week. All right, let's go ahead and jump into jobs. Uh, we have a couple of really cool jobs this week. I'm not sure how Alex found these things, but but good job, Alex. Uh, IntelliSecure is hiring a Director of Information Security, Governance, Risk, and Compliance. You know, in a lot of ways, this looks like it would be running the internal security program for IntelliSecure, one of the you know fastest growing security companies in Colorado. It seems like a really great opportunity. You, you heard us do an interview with the CEO and CTO from IntelliSecure a month or two ago. Um, I, I know this would be something that I'd be interested in if, if I were looking. So I recommend anyone who's looking for a, a really fun job at a fast moving place to take a look at this. Yeah, it sounds really cool. Uh, Pearson is looking for a director of global product information security. PISO. PISO. That's what uh, it says, PISO. Yeah. So you're uh, the, the product information security officer, which is cool. So yeah. it sounds like you're in charge of the, the security for all of their, I'm guessing, education projects products yeah. since Pearson does uh, education. Yet another really cool looking position. This is another one that uh, I recommend folks take a look at. Probably you want to have a little bit more uh, product side or application side, security side experience, but um, something worth looking at. Ball Aerospace is hiring an Informations Systems Security Officer 1. Lockheed Martin, That we got a couple jobs from them. Um, one is a cybersecurity director, so it looks like a leadership uh, position over there in, in cybersecurity. And the second one, which I thought was pretty cool, was a cyber college development program. So if you read the job description, um, it looks like maybe a little bit of hands-on work, but also uh, helping to develop some education materials internally for Lockheed Martin. So yeah. that sounds kind of fun. Very fun. Uh, the state of Colorado is hiring a criminal investigator too, focusing on cybercrime. LGS Innovations is hiring a reverse engineer too. So if you want to take apart software and malware and other things like that, that sounds like a yeah, that cool sounds job. like a really fun. Do you know who LGS is? Do you know those guys? I have no idea. Yeah, um, I don't know either. Yep. But if if you work for LGS Innovations and you want to tell us what you do, <laughs> we'd love to hear it. I don't. Not a lot of companies are hiring reverse engineers. That's true. Um, Viasat is hiring a network security engineer. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure Viasat is the people that have the the mobile satellite systems. So it's like a trailer with a satellite yeah. on it and you, you know, drive it up someplace and you can plug in and disaster have, basically. Yeah. It could be or, or like a remote operations, other okay. things like that. Um, anyway, that one sounds cool as well. Uh, Deloitte is looking for a cyber GRC technical architect and senior consultant for Archer. A, that's one of the longer titles we've seen. That's a seven word title. Everybody. Yes. That's and, pretty good. And you'd get the pleasure of working with, uh, with RSA Archer. Yeah. Well, so you, you know, your job is safe because that right. one, that, that will never stop being a thing. Uh, Coalfire is looking to hire a, pr a project manager. And Red Sky Interactive is looking for a senior sales executive in Colorado. Pretty cool. If you want to sell security solutions here in Colorado, exactly. give them a call. 
Oh, well, that takes us to the end here. Uh, we have our feature interview coming up with Andy Grolnick. Andy is the CEO from Logarithm. Got to sit down with Andy. It was actually a couple months ago that we sat down. We didn't want to post this one too close to the one with James Carter, who's the CISO over there. Uh, but it was actually the day, you know, that they do a uh, in Boulder a raft to work day. So the idea is you're supposed to get on the river on a on a inner tube and tube. Oh, I guess it's tube to work, tube to right. work day. Um, so I was actually there on tube to work day, which is kind of like a unofficial holiday up in Boulder. Yeah, pretty cool. Cool. Well, all right. Anything else before we let everyone go? No, have a good week, everybody. All right, have a good one. Thanks, Rob. Uh, this is Michael Glenn, and Vice President of Security at Cable Labs. This is Colorado Equal Security for Colorado Security Professionals by Colorado Security Professionals. Welcome to Colorado Equal Security. This is Rob Reck, uh, here to uh, interview today the CEO of Logarithm, Andy Grolnick. Andy, today I hear you took an interesting way to get to work. Could you share with me what that's about? Uh, yeah, today is, today is Tube to Work Day, and uh, so it's an event that's been growing in Boulder here over the last, uh, I think it was started in 2008 by a couple of local creative guys, and it's, uh, we, we, you know, some, several of us about four years ago um, heard about it, and at the company, about 12 of us did it one year, and, and this year about 150 employees from, from the company um, joined in, and it's basically you start at the mouth of the canyon, downtown Boulder, and getting an inner tube with uh, this year it's probably 600, 700 folks, and and it's kind of like bumper tubes all the way down the the river, and it's just a blast. It's a great uh, yeah. you know annual event, right a sum, right a summer type thing. Yeah. So, did you take a swim this morning, or did you make it all the way on the tube? I. Turned over once, <laughs> and it, the water is really cold. Are you wearing a wetsuit up there then? I'm not. Oh, um, nice. I, 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 there are people that do. A lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people do. And there were there were moments today. I was, uh, I, w- I was reconsidering, but made really? it through it. It, it. it was a sunny day, and once you got out in the water and the sun, it, it yeah. was it was nice. Well, I, I do want to, you know, that, that's great. It's so neat that you guys are participating in that that Boulder kind of new tradition. Yeah. Um, uh, but let's set the stage. You know, Logarithm, you guys are a, a, a SIM provider. I'd say more than just a SIM provider now. And I'd love to have yeah. you just summarize uh, what Logarithm is for anyone. I don't know if there's anyone who doesn't know who you are. But just in case, what, what are you yeah. guys? Yeah, I, I, at, a, at a very high level, um, we 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 call it threat lifecycle management. So, uh, you know, our, our platform uh, for customers today is really that that foundation for the next gen security operations center. Yeah. Um, and so we've been building this um, end to end platform for many, many years, and uh, now you know power and, and kind of. Almost mission. You think of it as mission control for security operations for medium to large enterprises. Yeah. And so we, we, we what we've done is it gone gone beyond you know what the first generation of SIM and log management were to incorporate things like network and endpoint forensics, um, security orchestration and automation, uh, advanced UBA and security analytics, all in one integrated platform. So. Um, security CISOs and security organizations don't need to have four or five different products. All those capabilities are integrated together, and 
and as a result, you 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 don't have kind of uh, um, information overload. You don't you know alarm fatigue. Uh, you, you you don't have data silos. You know what we call swivel chair anal- analysis. You've got uh, all this integrated, so your your analytics can be much better. Your workflow is much better. Um, you can get it from you know take it from you know early detection all the way through response and, and even automate the entire workflow. So I want to accomplish, uh, th- thanks for the summary of the company, yeah. that's fantastic. And I want to accomplish two things here. Number one, I'd like to let the folks here, um, here in the community get to know you personally, you know, who, who's Andy Grolnick and what have you done and, and why do you get to run such a cool company? And number two, uh, maybe we can get some practical advice during this on how someone can um, can make their sim not be, you know, a generator of alarm fatigue, as you call it, or yeah. you know, the, the death by false positives, as I frequently think of it. Um, so, but let's start off by backing up. You know, I, I, you and I talked about before we started recording that I, I had the chance to sit down with Chris Peterson, one of the founders of the company, uh, a few years ago, and I got to learn about the startup, the startup journey from that. And I'll actually put a, a link in the show notes to that article for folks who want to hear about it. Um, but you came in, you said 12 years ago, right? So 2005, right? right. right. Tell me about what happened in 2005. Why did you come into the company and where were we at that point? Yeah, so at, the, at that point, uh, the company was uh, Chris and Phil and, and Chris's dog. And, okay. and, and uh, they had, those guys had bootstrapped for two and a half, three years. Uh, you know, Chris had sold his house, and and that helped fund the company. And they, they lived together and worked together, and and, and really in a in a um, you know classic kind of boot, bootstrap way. Got a couple of customers. Chris and I knew each other. I, I was on. We were on the same tennis team, <laughs> uh, just coincidentally, yeah. in town. And so we got to know each other that way. He knew I'd been uh, you know an exec and and been involved in tech companies and startups. You were, and you were in the storage industry, is that right? I, I spent a lot of years yeah, in, in, in storage area, companies like uh, iOmega and Quantum. Yeah. Um, early in my career, I was with Hewlett Packard up, up in Fort Collins sure. in the uh, technical workstation area. Um, started here in Colorado as a product HPOX product manager up okay. in up in up at HP and uh, but been in the industry for a while and and had some successes and you know Chris uh, we after tennis matches he asked me questions that you know ideas advice on things um, got to know him got to know the the uh, what they were doing and they got a couple customers and uh, you know he uh, he and Phil asked you know hey we use some help building the company and I think we got something here and I looked into it and uh, I was at a point where I actually had been you know doing a lot of them doing storage long time I was looking to do something different uh, I didn't have security domain experience at that time and that was part of what was interesting to me yeah. and so it was kind of a the more I dug into this segment it's very dynamic required a lot of innovation and something new to learn and get experience on uh, but I, I could leverage a lot of my background in storage and software and, and so on and, and just high-tech building high-tech businesses and uh, and and so the more I looked into you know I, you know these guys these guys have a vision that is differentiated um, they're looking at things differently than the, the, the pure log management folks or the, the early sim folks at the time were and they had a vision for a platform that uh, was was pretty interesting and I felt like this was a, 
we, we were behind as a company, mm-hmm. um, but we had, uh, uh, you know, I think we, I felt like we had time because I felt this was a long-term platform versus a feature that, you know, would be, be subsumed into a bigger platform. Yeah. Yeah. So, to 2005, you... You made the decision. Had you been a, the, a CEO of a company previous to Logarithm? I hadn't. I'd, I'd yeah. been a general manager. I was uh, vice president general manager of a yeah. large division at iOmega. Kind sure. of helped launch the Zip Drive and ended up uh, running. You know, so I, I had that experience, but never been a CEO of a company of any size. And uh, so that was new new experience for me. It was an opportunity to, to you know also build a build a company from the ground up, you know, and a culture and, and all that. So, uh, so, you know, I did my due diligence and, you know, I saw, I saw enough opportunity and jumped on board. And, and so I was basically employee number three. Yeah. Uh, and we had, uh, about $30,000 in the bank and, uh, two customers and, you know, it's like, okay, what do we do next? You know? So, uh. so it sounds like you would have had not only the, the challenge of learning you know, kind of a new industry with, with security versus storage and, and other tech stuff, but also uh, getting to run a company. Um, how was that first transition for you personally? You know, did you start focusing on the security industry first, or how do you how do you accomplish go after that? Yeah, you know, I think I think uh, probably the, the you know what I would always tell people in a, in a in a particularly in an early stage startup, but in a startup, you know, the, you know I, I believe what I've learned over the years is the most precious commodity is not capital; it's actually time. Yeah. And and so, you know, I'd learned that along the way. So so the first the real decision is how to not only how do I spend my time, but how do we, you know, all you know, and Chris and Phil have have talents and capabilities beyond product and technology and so we're all wearing multiple hats um, one of the I would say that the you know the the, the things you do I've been I'd, I'd had enough experience in kind of building startups early stage to kind of we're, we're know, know where to focus on the, the the harder thing for me early on uh, was was kind of getting to know the space and the security domain yeah um, so that was that was uh that was, I would say, a bigger hurdle, you know. And so I tried to kind of balance where I was spending my time, and, and some of that I learned over time and throughout osmosis, and, and obviously Chris was uh, very helpful in that. Yeah, I'm just thinking through what you'd have to learn coming into a, a sim company, and it's it's a lot, right? There's, I mean, there's all of, you have to know all of the systems you're ingesting logs from, right. which is kind of the gamut, you know, from, from the real traditional firewall AVs to, to web, ser- web servers and, you know, domain controllers and, and, and uh, workstations and, you yeah. know, trying to learn all of that. Um, and, and now, of course, as CEO, you probably don't have to understand how to parse all these logs, but you, you have to understand the importance of them. And, yeah. Uh, and, and what is, you know, do you have a, do you have a take on what you what you came out of that with is there an appreciation you gained for you know some of this data is more useful than others or what what kind of learnings did you have from that process? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know, I think I think that parts of my background were very helpful and relevant because on one level it is a it's a big storage problem, you know, and, and it's a data management 
problem on uh, you know on log management sim on, on, on one level and so there, there was a lot of relevance between the storage and the software background I had but uh, what I had to learn is is kind of all the the, the domain uniqueness uh, and and so you know it was um, but but it wasn't you know over time you know it kind of it really clicked I mean it didn't take too long yeah uh, but it but it was, it was certainly a ramp yeah. So 2005, you were employee number three, and you, and you start. You had thirty thousand dollars and a couple customers, uh, and today you have more, hopefully more than thirty thousand yeah. dollars and a whole lot more than two customers. Let's talk a little bit about the journey. Maybe give me the meta journey. How do we get from there to here? Yeah, I mean today, you know, we have um, you know well over two thousand customers and, and six hundred over six hundred fifty employees. Um, it's global business. But the the you know what what we talked about early on you know is is how do you want to kind of build the business right I mean there's there there's an approach which is raise a lot of capital and hire tons of people and move really fast and there there would have been a rational argument for us to to go about it that way uh, given folks like Arcside and and Log Logic and. Radar had uh, we're, we're, we're further along as, as companies as yeah. products and, and so on um, and it, but we did we decided that actually and what I'd seen is there through my experience too is is that there's just a there's a certain pit you know depending on the business you're in there's a certain pace beyond which you can't really be effective and grow effectively so we took actually uh, it was a little counterintuitive but a slower approach, uh, more methodical, more um, incremental, and we would make uh, investments in in certain areas and, you know, in kind of six to nine month periods, uh, you know, measure what's going on and then kind of figure out what the next phase of investment. So I'd I'd say those three to four, first three to four years were more, more like that. We raised a relatively small amount of capital, six, seven million dollars, um, you know, in, in those, in that period. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, there, there's a germination period for a company and a culture and getting, you know, before you really go after a large enterprise, you've got, you, you, you've got to get the product maturity at a certain point. You've got to get to, um, you know, you've got to hire the types of Sales service and support people that you know know how know how to serve those customers. Yeah. So we yeah, we we, we kind of did that for a while until we felt like okay we're ready to kind of move to that that next level and started um, raising more capital at that point and putting the foot on the gas in certain areas more. When would you say you you kind of start putting your foot on the gas? What year would that be? Raising the capital and ready to go more aggressively there. Yeah, I mean that that was that was probably you know 2011 okay. to 2000 you know halfway yeah 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 <laughs> okay sure yeah you know I, I would about that time it, I don't maybe I'm crazy but is that about when all of the your competitors got started getting picked off or maybe it was a little bit after they all started getting picked off there was a lot of pure plays in the mid 2000 yeah. and and are you the only pure play that's still around from then and that maybe you count Splunk maybe you don't but like you know Q Radar and uh, and, and ArcSight and uh, Log Logic—they've all—they've all been picked up by larger organizations. Yeah, a lot, a lot of them. Are, yeah, they, there's. Yeah, I put them in like three buckets. There, there's some 
there, there were, you know, if you look at maybe the Gardner Magic Quadrant in 2008, yeah. there, there was a lot more players. Some, uh, as you say, have been picked up, acquired by large system players like HP and IBM. Uh, others have gone out of business. Um, they haven't stayed, you know, competitive. Which ones haven't gone out of, have gone out of business? I'm trying to think of which ones you've lost. Uh I mean, in the early days, there was one one called Hightower. Hmm. Uh, you remember, you know, I don't remember that one. There was, uh, um, it, or or they've they've uh, you know morphed into something else like yeah. Log Logic. Right, they're not even a sim anymore. Yeah. Not really. I mean, they were acquired by uh, Tibco. Tibco, and, and we don't see them in the market at all, other than to as a replacement opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and Sensei, so you know, mm-hmm. similar. So there have been a lot of stories like that where, for whatever reason, they they didn't make the right investments, uh, didn't stay competitive, and this is a market you've got to, you know, continue to innovate, and uh, and and so they're not they're either not relevant anymore, they're not in business, or you know, um, but in terms of pure plays. Uh, you know, I would say Splunk is obviously serving a much broader market in, in, in IT ops where part of their business is security. So from that standpoint, they, they are sort of, sort of, kind of, yeah. Uh, uh, but we're, we're probably the only one that is just, you know, zeroed in on uh, of any scale. I, I would also include Alien Vault, that, you know, the lower end of the market. Uh, as as a pure play and, and there there's some smaller ones. Has yeah. the barrier to entry gotten so significant that I, there's just no new new companies coming in? I, I don't think I've seen any. I can't think of any that have come in for quite a while. I mean, Sumo Logic sort of, more, but more as a Splunk competitor, right? Yeah. So you you have companies like Sumo Logic and Logly who have, yeah. have really been gone after trying to be Splunk in the cloud. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so we don't really directly compete with them. Alert Logic, uh, maybe. Um, Alert Alert Logic's been around for a while, and yeah. they and they're yeah yeah. So they're 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 still some. They they're they're doing pretty well, and they've got a a, a focus in, in one area. Well, that's enough about non Colorado companies. Let's yeah. get back to logger them. Yeah, yeah. So t- <laughs> tell me one of my favorite questions. What is something that you guys have accomplished in the last twelve years that you're you're really proud of? Something that's a big success that uh, you'd like to share with us. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I'd say a few things. I, I think building um, building a company of this scale from the ground up um, and, and I, I'd say, you know, kind of building building a business, I think the right way, you know, building a culture that, you know, I love to come to work at every day uh, is is something to be proud of uh, and, and to... Build uh, just just have the you know amount of talented people every day you know go, going through those phases from you know early days where you're doing everything to uh, it's a totally different it, it's very similar it's, you know the company hasn't fundamentally changed but at this scale you know you you're just you know it's a different um, scenario where you've got a lot of talented people that um, are, are doing a lot of a lot of great things so mm-hmm. so so that that part as well I think uh, I, I think what's 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 also satisfying is coming from where we did um, to bypass several bigger much better funded 
companies out there with lots of resources and, and, and you know, having the right strategy and, and the right execution to get to the point where we are where we're in the, you know, we're, it, yeah. it's us and Splunk and IBM in the, in the top in the, tier. In the leader's quadrant, right? <laughs> Right. And, and, you know, with the cool, from my perspective, one of the really cool things is you've not only done it here in Boulder, you've, you've really focused the vast majority of your workforce here in Boulder as well. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, you know, why, why Boulder? Obviously, when you came in as employee three, you, had, you guys had choices. You could have, you could have said, hey, we're going to you know, hire talent wherever it is, or, or hey, we're going to move to Silicon Valley where all the VC money is, or, yeah. or we're going to move to middle of Nebraska where talent is cheaper. Why, why did you end up staying here? Yeah, and so you know, it's interesting. Chris, Chris, and Phil actually started the company in 2003 in Washington D.C. Um, Chris had been working out there, and initially, I think they felt like that they needed to be a place like that, you know, where where it's kind of a hub of cybersecurity activity and so on. And then, uh, I guess after a year or so, they they're dealing with the traffic, and they're both from Colorado, um, so both both of them grew up here, went to school. Phil went to CU, Chris went to CSU, and and they said, you know, we, you know, it's really just the two of us right now. I mean, we can have this company anywhere. Why don't we go where we're from and where we want to live? Right. Uh, and so they moved here, and I was, you know, like I said, I met Chris here, and we. Um, Are you a Colorado native as well? Or are you where are you from? I, you know, I, I grew up mostly in North Carolina, but moved out here in uh, 1988, oh, okay. and I've been out here ever since. So yeah. I've worked, worked for Hewlett Packard, and uh, and and just love it here. Right. Te- technically, I'm a native. I was actually born here. Oh, my, there you my, go. my dad was doing a residency. Uh, I, I, I was born here and lived six weeks uh, before <laughs> they moved back so here. So you're native, all right. And so so I'm, I am a native, and uh, and I love it here. And so yeah. we, you know, so one we we all we all just have an affinity and, and, and like it here. So we wouldn't have it wouldn't have been a consideration to you know move to um, Nebraska or. or or Silicon Valley, and there's got to be a little bit of pressure to move to Silicon Valley, right? At some point, um, you know, I've seen that. You know, having worked for startups here and the VCs get yeah. invest here from the Valley, and and there there is a you know a mentality there that you really can't build companies in outside of the Silicon right. Valley, and especially and, especially five years ago, I feel like it's maybe got a little better now because it's so hard to find talent out there, but. Man, it seems like yeah. Five years ago. Go back to two thousand five, right? Yeah. And so you know, I, when we started raising capital, I mean, we we were able to, you know, there's there's obviously not as much VC and, and capital here, uh, but um, but you know, there there there's a lot of VCs in in, in Silicon Valley who don't uh, just want to stay local. They don't even want to get on a plane right. to go to a board meeting and. And so it makes it, you know, I think it, you know, just I, I think there's a need for more early stage capital here. Once you get to later stages, it's it's you're strong enough. You it, can, you it's can, less of an issue. Yeah. You know, you can attract capital from uh, from anywhere. But but uh, the the hard part is the early stage. Right. And and but what we felt like, you know, I, I I've always felt like this is a great, you know, call it a tech hub. Um, there, there's there's a great combination of of um, you know people and universities and culture and I, I like I actually really like the uh, more collaborative nature of the community here yeah uh, 
And I think that's an advantage. And I think that you know, you're starting to see folks from both coasts and, you know, move to, you know, there's a lot of influx to Denver and Boulder and, uh, and, the, and there, there's a lot of momentum. But, you know, I, uh, I, I think I think you can build great companies here, and, uh, and you know your company's certainly an example of that, and, and uh, there's plenty of others. Yeah. You know. Well, I, I, I asked you for one of the uh, big successes and things you're most proud of. Yes. I'd love to hear. I think it's really instructional whenever we can talk about something that didn't work that we tried. Is there any examples of something you guys you know went after? And I don't want to use the word failure, but a learning opportunity, something that you know you ended up moving away from during the last 12 years that you're, um, you know, we can, we can learn from the logarithm try and say, ah, that's not, maybe that, maybe the industry expects us to do this and we're not going to do it or, or something like that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I can give a couple examples. I mean, one, one from the earlier days, I, you know, I'd say we didn't, we didn't, uh, this goes back to 2007, 2008, uh, we, we, we probably should have invested in um, a separate QA uh, organization for, uh, team earlier than we did. Hmm. Um, so we're devs basically testing their own code? Is that yeah, what exactly. And, and, and that's pretty typical of a, of a lot. Of, so, so trying to, you know, as I look back, I mean, that's, you're, you're running really fast. And, and, but, uh, but, but I think that's one of the things, that's one of the lessons, you know, I would, you know, if I were to do do another early stage company, just to make sure do that. But you know, we we so we had a, we had a you know a, a release that went out, you know, hmm. 2008, probably before it before it was ready. We learned from it. We put a QA organization in place, yeah. and, uh, and 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 moved on. I'd say the probably the other. So that so that that's more of a just um, lesson learned for earlier early scale, stage right? companies you know, as you're scaling, and it's always a balancing act. What what you know, you don't want to put in too much process and get too far ahead of yourself where you slow yourself down in all all facets of the business. Um, you know, it's kind of the right the right things at the right time, and sometimes you're a little early, sometimes you're a little late, um, but that's a, that's always kind of the art and science of it. Um, the, the other uh, the other thing was you know we went wow we were we were and this was this was 2008 we just finished we we had a really rapid growth year and we thought we were about to take over the world and and uh, so so it's time to go global and we opened an office in the UK hmm. um, ready to go international and it it actually went you know. That's that's not easy to do for for any size, and that actually went really well, and uh, and so a few years later, uh, you know, we went into we started going into some other geographies, and I guess I guess the you know we one of the one of the um, things we've had to learn over the years, some have expanding into international geography some have gone really well some have not gone as well hmm. and and so trying to learn what what are the dynamics what's the formula for success you know because you, you can have a great business in the US and it doesn't doesn't always translate yeah. in in every geography instantly right they, there's so many dynamics so I, I think um, I think we've gotten a lot better at that, and, and, and you know, been more thoughtful, and kind of we know, starting to learn the the, the you know what what works best. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, we are. We have another eight minutes here. I want to uh, ask you the the second topic I wanted to get into, which is, you know, I, I've implemented a sim four times in my career, including logarithm, and I've it's every time it's been a, a significant challenge for me to, you know weed through the noise and really get value out of it. So I'd ask you, you know, from someone who's had thousands of implementations of your product, right. what are the tips that you can give for security leaders or security uh, administrators who are listening right now to how, to how to get the most value from their SIM? Yeah, yeah, I think I think part of it is, you know, step one, what we, you know, just go through some examples of kind of what we've seen works. Um, so step one is really, um, between the, the customer and, and, and the vendor having a clear um, set of success criteria for for uh, for the phase one and and actually I, I would recommend companies implement in phases not trying to boil boil the ocean I think when you try to um, you know a lot of companies have uh, limited resources all of budget us do, right? so you know, security challenge we all know that yeah. right. Uh, so not trying to take on too much early on, really have a kind of a defined use case, um, a compliance project you're trying to take on or, or a, 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 a set of your network. So right? can, we, can we talk about the, the kind of the phases for just a second? I, uh, the, the paradigm I use for SIM, and you can tell me if this aligns with how you think of it, I, I really see two different components. There's, uh, there's the centralized log repository where it's basically feeding data in so you guys can hold it for either, uh, well, for forensic data or for the second component, which is security analytics, which I'm going right. to run upon it. So phase one, log repository. Phase two, security analytics. Um, when, I, when I think of, or there's those two components. When I think of deploying them, I basically want to go after phase one. I want to get all my logs into the central place right. immediately from day one. But I don't have to set up any alerting on it. Right? I can just say, yeah, I got every system sending logs over there. Um, and then and then start applying some kind of analytic package to that data. Do you how do you do you guys think of it that way or do you say no no go after just those you know, maybe your domain controllers or your their high risk application systems that, that, and start just start deploying to those or how how would you think about breaking up your phases? Yeah, that's that's really interesting because that's that's almost exactly how and, and it's been a learning process over the years, but that's that's almost exactly how we um, we we work on onboarding we work with customers on on onboarding them in the in the right way and so we have actually a deployment methodology that for it's called core and core plus tmf core is 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 that centralized logging get 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 the key logs you need in for log sources for the use cases you want to do and tmf is that threat management foundations which is the analytics on top of it so we'll, we'll do that first part first um Spent leave some time to get um, more of the log sources in, and then come back and work with the customer on on the analytics side of things, and you know what we call the threat threat management foundations, yeah. and that seems to go really well because and there's very clear kind of um, objectives for each part of that phase and what's expected of us and what's expected of the customer, and I think what 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 we're a lot of projects don't work out well is it's it's kind of fuzzy and undefined and yeah. and you just kind of go okay here we go let's what do you want to do 
Um, we've, you know, we've gotten to the point where we, we kind of know, know what works and we, you know, it's important for the customer to know what, what they need to do. And we've, they really, they really like the approach. Yeah. They like the structure to it. And, and then, you know, they get, you get to that point. And so in 90 days, you're, you're actually seeing value and use out of it. And then you can build from there. So, so one of the struggles I've had, and I'd and and it's going to lead into a piece of advice that I'd love to hear your your opinion on. One of the struggles I've had is it's so incredibly tempting to say yes when my sim provider, which may be logarithm, uh, it says, "Hey, I have this set of rules that's custom built for a PCI environment or whatever, and you can turn these rules on." And you, you can start, you know, turn on the the suite of rules, and then start yeah. start turning off the ones that don't matter. It's so tempting to say, "Oh yeah, I'll turn on that set of rules, and then I'll I'll tune it down." But what I've experienced is, if I do that, I have I've just lost the war. It's too much. It's it, you you just went from um, went went from nothing to too much data for you to manage, and now you're spending time, you're spending an enormous amount of time um, turning off wasted. You know, false positives versus if you go about it the opposite way and say, I'm going to have nothing turned on. I'm going to say, what are the, the high risk activities in my environment and what might, um, what might um, the log behavior look like if those things were to happen and turn on those things one at a time. It takes longer. It takes more work and more knowledge of your environment, but everything should be a, a true positive. That's, that's the advice I give. And that's, that, that's how I approach it at this point. I'd love to hear your take on that. And, yeah, I, I no, I, I would, I would, I would, uh, I would absolutely agree. I mean, I think we've we've seen we've, it gets back to that success criteria because uh, we we have a we've got a ton of out of the box modules and packages, and you can turn on all yeah. kinds of rules and things like that. Um, but really, the better way to do it is is clarify the success criteria and the use cases. That every every customer is different. What's your priority? Um, and and actually, I would say also goes back to the log sources. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean just collect all your logs, right? First of all, what are what are those use cases? And now, what are the log sources you need um, to to deliver on those? And then turn on the analytics rules that help deliver on that, or the compliance. Rules. It also saves you money, right? It saves you money on licensing and the size of the appliance you have to buy. And uh, absolutely, and, and then at the end of the day, you're you're because uh, otherwise you, you get into that information overload um, scenario, which which doesn't benefit anyone. And and so you're you're gonna you can really clarify. Okay, and we've seen this, right? I mean, if, if you you know sometimes you, can, you throw all your log sources at it and. And, and this, you know, I'm, I'm the, you know, this is the vendor, right? We, we'd actually want people to buy more licensing, but the reality is uh, if they don't need it and they just kind of overload things, they're not getting value. And ultimately the better, yeah. I mean, the better thing is for them to get value. So it, it's really, it's actually, it's where the phasing comes in. Because if you, if you can really just hone in on what, what, what are those success criteria? What are you trying to accomplish in phase one, what are those use cases? Go execute on that. You know, get comfortable with it. 
get you know get good at it and and obviously we can help along the way and then move on from there sure you know uh, so I'm, I'm going to wrap this up because I, yeah, I know you want to respect your time. We're going to get you a couple minutes late to your next meeting. Sorry about that. Uh, a couple things real quick, though. Uh, one, we've been following your guys' news over the last uh, over the last six months or however long we've been on the podcast now. Uh, one of the interesting stories recently, you guys talked about a, a contest you're doing where people can get Netmon free uh, is that what, net mom premium and, and talk about a problem you're solving and they can win money, right? Right. Uh, I, I just love to ha- hear how that came about and you know what's what's the motivation behind it. Yeah, we 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 uh, we introduced a freemium version of our, our net, network monitor, which which is a network forensics deep packet uh, inspection yeah. um, solution that's part of our overall platform, but uh, we felt. Um, that that would be uh, a way to kind of one give back to the community and here's something of value particularly maybe smaller customers who are not able or ready to invest in a full sim um, uh, for whatever reason but this is something you know that would certainly be be valuable for them but it was also a way to kind of get um, get logarithm out there get people to know logarithm with a freemium product, see the, some of the value we could provide, and uh, and and, um, and 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 maybe maybe they want to work with us more, you know, beyond that. Um, Is it too early to talk about the contest in terms of if you got any any cool sub- entries to it? Uh, that 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 part of it is just we, we started actually we had we had a contest giving away a, a trip to Black Hat. Okay. So that's that's uh, already in, and the the next phase of it is what you, what you're talking about, which is really a, a contest for people to download this freemium product um, and create uh, interesting, cool use cases using the deep deep packet analytics rules yeah. um, there around network forensics. Uh, and, and that's really re- very recently just kicked off, so we don't really too, have, too early to too early okay. too early to tell. But that's going to be going on over the next few months. And yeah, anyone out there listening, just go to our website. Um, you know, look up the net, net mon, network monitor freemium page. I'll have a link in there and and uh, and, and download and and uh, you know it's got all the information on it. And, and I will definitely keep track of, of when you guys post the winners, and we'll be yeah. on top of that. Yeah. Um, the last thing I wanted to mention, we we also cover job postings in the area. We talked about a number of jobs here for you guys over time. What, uh, if you want to either make a sales pitch for why people would want to go here or what kind of people you're looking for, either way, you know, I'd love to give you a chance to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, at various times we're always hiring uh, in all kinds of different roles. Um, the company's been, you know, as the company's been growing, um, you know, so there's always needs where, you know, you know, generally, I would say at a high level, look for people who uh, obviously have an interest in the the mission of cybersecurity and, and helping the good guys, you know, protect uh, their their networks against cyber threats. Um, so obviously, if that's of interest to you, and then um, you know what, uh, you know, there's a lot of information on our website, our careers sure. page on uh, the different types of roles, but you know, also people who want. Um, you know, like like all of us, work in a uh, a, a culture uh, that is 
you know, work hard, have fun. Andy is and, sitting in front of me wearing shorts right now. So, so this yeah. is a, this is not a place where you're going to have to wear a tie every day. That's, that's yeah, that's right. It's not, it's not the same tie. <laughs> I mean, we, you know, you know, it's kind of a you know, be comfortable. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, be yourself. Work. You know, we're we're ser- we do ser- obviously serious work, but we don't try to take ourselves too seriously. So, yeah. I think that's that's kind of the balance um, as well. Well, we're looking forward to to what you guys are doing, and I'm not going to ask you to comment on it, but we'll we'll reach back out to you after we hear an IPO news coming from you guys one of these days. It's been that's been the gossip for for a year or so, uh, a couple of years. Uh, maybe we can touch base a year from now and see how things yeah. have changed, and uh, absolutely we'll keep, keep in contact. Yeah. All right, Andy. always great to talk to you. Good to you too. Yeah. Yeah. Colorado security scene at colorado-security.com, where you can see information about local security groups, a calendar of upcoming security events, and learn more about Colorado equals security. Reach out to Alex and Rob by emailing info at colorado-security.com. Until next time, remember, Colorado equals security.